The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Lovely to have you um, join us again. Thanks for turning up every week. So glad that you're here. I'm so excited to be able to speak this morning. Well, for those of you who know me, I'm petrified, but I am excited because I really um, know that God's got a, a word for us um, this morning. Um, as we conclude our vision series for this new ministry year and as we set the focus, um, I pray that your hearts are already full and that you're excited about where we're going. Um, and may the Lord continue to open our hearts through his Holy Spirit this morning as we meditate on his word and may we be inspired more to be more like Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior that's that's my prayer that's my heart for us this morning so um, let's read our passage that we have for this morning it's from um, 2 Peter or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Now that's from the NIV version that I was reading. So um, I've chosen to title this talk, Make Every Effort. So as we look through this passage, let's have a look at first, what are the things that we have received from God and our Lord Jesus Christ? What are the things that he's given us already? So in verse 1, um, we are told that through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, we have received a faith that is precious. And many commentators suggest that Peter is writing this particular letter, which is his second letter, to believers in churches who were being confronted with false teaching about 
um, how to access or who had access to genuine faith. So just in this first verse alone, Peter is essentially saying that the faith that his hearers had and had received is the same faith that the apostles themselves received from Jesus and that they have been given it simply because of God's generous love rather than anything that they would have had to do to earn it or achieve it. And then in verse 2, we also have received through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, we have received abundance of grace and peace. The word knowledge here is translated to full knowledge, full disclosure almost. Peter is saying that any chance of experiencing shalom, which is that peace and that grace that can only come in, in its fullest form, is to have that it can only come through a personal and intimate relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son. And then in verse 3, um, through our knowledge of him who has called us, we have received everything that we need for a godly life. So Peter is explaining to his hearers that an intimate and vibrant relationship with the one who has called us to be a part of his family gives us access to his divine power to live the kind of life that he wants us to live, the kind of life that will make him proud. And then in verse 4, through his, that is through Jesus' glory and goodness and precious promises, we can participate in the divine nature. So not only do we have divine help that we've received, but we're being invited to participate in the process of having more of Jesus' nature in us, conforming us more and more to his image. So all of those things, just to summarize, in the same way, like these believers, we who are followers of Christ, we've been given an authentic and genuine faith, solely based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Peter is reinforcing Jesus' own words that he spoke throughout the Gospels many times, reminding us that we have the same choice that those disciples and everybody that heard Jesus the same, we have the same choice that they did of knowing God. Because if you remember, um, Jesus said things like, if you knew me, you know my Father. Um, you would know my Father. If you believe in me, you would believe the one who sent me. And whoever hates me, hates my Father as well. And so it's, we have that same choice to know Jesus and take him at his word. Peter's encouragement to us today is also the same as the people that would have heard him for the first time, um, that whatever we need to be authentic disciples of Jesus Christ, he's made readily available to us through Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to teach us, to help us, and is there forever. That was Jesus' promise to us. And our sinful nature, which is our default, actually brings corruption and degener dis degeneration from the time we're born until the time we die. And so Peter is again reminding us through his letter that participating in the divine nature of Jesus Christ will give us a new way of living that will not only just enhance the life that we have here, but it will confirm our identity and status as those belonging to God's family. 
So, you know, in, a, in, in summary, all the things that we have received um, from God and our Lord Jesus Christ, we have righteousness, and through that righteousness, a faith that is precious, we have shalom, we have grace and peace, we have everything we need to live the life that God's called us to, and we have the invitation to participate um, in divine nature, which is to become more like Jesus. That's, that's amazing. And so that's why Peter is saying in verse 5, in verse 5, for all these reasons and for this very reason, um, we need to make every effort. And, and that's the second section we're going to look at, is we must make every effort to participate in the divine nature. Um, and so he starts off in verse 5 by saying, um, make every effort to add to your faith, the faith that you've already received through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Add to your faith. Now faith is the starting block that separates believers from those who are not believers. It's the foundation that enables us to be a part of God's family. And genuine faith expresses itself in action that's reflecting of God's behavior and God essentially is good we sing about it all the time God is good and in his goodness he has called us to have a faith in relationship with him and so we need to add to our faith more of God's character and goodness then deepens our knowledge of who God is um, and it develops a moral excellency and a virtue that gives us insight into his character and nature. And having insight into God's character and nature gives us a deeper knowledge of who he is. And that's knowing God can only come through reading his word and through the work of his Holy Spirit teaching us about him and about his ways. So meditating on God's word and um, being with him will expose areas in our lives that we're not like him because of our sin nature. And then it also will show us ways and teach us how we can, how we can be more like God and, and how we can be more like Jesus um, and how we can participate in his divine nature. And so um, knowing God and a knowledge of God leads us to wanting to develop self-control. And self-control is essentially denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Jesus. It prohibits our pride and our sin nature from binging from anything and everything that we want to do. It brings obedience, it brings discernment and boundaries that help us live God's way. And when we exercise self-control and when we grow in self-control, it enables us to persevere, which is the next thing that we need. We need to add perseverance because without perseverance, we can't stay the course. We can't stay faithful to God's ways. We can't keep moving towards being more like Jesus, who is our ultimate role model. And he embodies godliness. And so self-control helps us to persevere and perseverance helps us to become more godly. 
and godliness cannot help but facilitate a reverence and an honor towards God. And when we revere and honor God, we care about what God cares about, especially his creation that are made in his image. That's each other. And that leads to this mutual affection that Peter talks about, or in other translations, it's called brotherly kindness. And so the more we practice mutual affection and brotherly kindness, and we have a concern um, for the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ, it deepens our love for each other. And it really creates a desire for the highest good of others, which is love. And this kind of love is an accurate reflection of God and his love for us and his desire of how we are to love each other, but more importantly, how we are to love those that are yet to know God and to be a part of his family. And so that's just a quick explanation of those, those attributes. But what an interesting thing to note, that the first five, faith, goodness, knowing God, self-control, perseverance, godliness, they're all to do with inside, our inner, inner person, and our relationship with God. And it's only the last two that are outward focused and really about others. And so there's a lot of weight here and a lot of responsibility. And it seems to me as though that we really won't be able to display and, and show the last two characteristics as true reflections of God's character if we haven't worked and allowed Holy Spirit to work on the first five in our lives. And so keeping that in mind, it's really interesting that in verse 8, Peter kind of repeats himself and says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, so not just baseline, not just enough to get you over, but increasing, and it's this continual increasing measure, not there's no limit. Um, you don't become, uh, there's no measure. Um, in increasing measure, then our faith is productive and effective. Because in verse 8 he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus. And so continuing to grow in these qualities um, really reminds me something about a, a lot of the things that the book of James and the, the first and second and third book of John really talks about is that if we're not growing in our knowledge of Jesus and in how we are like him, then our faith is really dead. Because James essentially says, if you have genuine faith, show me by what you do and who you are. And um, so that's really interesting. And then when we go to verse 10, and the second part of verse 10, again, um, Peter's saying, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, 
you won't stumble, you'll never stumble. So continuing to do these things that he's asking us to do, um, the whole point is so that we can confirm this precious faith that we have received and to show that it's made us fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to be good stewards of what we have been given so freely and so lavishly. Faith, grace, peace, such great promises and the promise of a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And so even in verse 12 to 15, Peter continues to say he'll keep reminding these readers about these things as long as he lives because he saw how crucial it was to them for their faith and to keep them in their faith. And so I think it's so nice for us that these um, things that of Peter's letters have been preserved and it's such an encouragement for us today and he continues to remind us even though he's long gone and we are able to learn from them and be encouraged from them today. So I really think the bottom line of what Peter's saying is we're either growing in our knowledge of Christ or we're not. We're either becoming more like Jesus or we're not. We're either becoming accurate reflections of our Heavenly Father or we're not. We're either connected to Jesus, the true vine, and producing the kind of fruit that He would have us produce or not. We are either wise builders, building on the rock that is Jesus Christ or we're not. We're either keeping in step with Holy Spirit or we're not. We're either known by Jesus or we're not. There is no middle ground. There is no lukewarm. And there's no in-between where you can sit on the fence. It's like all or nothing. And so he goes on to say, Peter goes on to talk about some cautions of what could happen if we don't make every effort and what's likely to happen if we don't make every effort. So in verse 9 he says, um, if not possessing these Christ-like attributes, it makes us nearsighted and even blind to the fact that we've been cleansed from our past sins. And that's an interesting thing for us to think about. Some translations say that we can't see afar off. And the Greek word that Peter uses here means closing your eyes. Like it implies a willful choice to just ignore and not look and not to focus not to, to close our eyes to the things that are heavenly, heaven-bound and far off and, and our ultimate goal, but to kind of close our eyes to that and focus on the things that are here and now and temporal and really tangible for us. 
And this is interesting because it's also, verse 9 also kind of refers back to verse 4, which states that through God's glory, goodness and precious promises, not only have we escaped the corruption of this world that are powered by our own evil desires, but we have been, we have been given the opportunity to participate in the divine nature. So us making a choice not to make every effort to possess these qualities in increasing measure is us actually choosing to say, I don't want to grow. Um, thank you, but no thank you. Um, I don't want to participate in the divine nature. Which is why Peter's saying it's making you very short-sighted and blind, really, to the ultimate goal of the purpose of your salvation, which is to know Jesus and to become more like him. And really, in becoming more like him, we're making him known to others that are yet to know him. And then in another caution that Peter gives in verses 10 and 11 is that not growing to be more like Jesus will potentially cause us to stumble. And some translations say to fall away. And this has the idea of tripping, stumbling in a race that you're running, or losing your way from where we're meant to be going and, and the direction that we're heading. And this is interesting because um, the book of Proverbs, when you look in the Bible, um, particularly talks a lot about wisdom. And the idea of wisdom calling out to those who are looking for a part that offers life and not death. And Proverbs, in, ver in the very first chapter, right there, in third, verses 31 and 32, says plainly, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And then the Apostle Paul um, chooses to not just echo these words in Proverbs, but he really elaborates on them for us. And so to the Corinthians, in, in one of his letters, he writes, it's because of him, that is God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It's almost like a very good... Um, summary of what Peter's saying here in his first four verses. And then to the people in Colossae he writes, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, that idea of full knowledge, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that's Colossians 2 verses 2 and 3. And then this is the one that gets me. Jesus didn't ever mince his words when he was on this earth and he was very clear when he was talking about things. Um, but in John chapter 12 and verse 48, there is, that's clear as mud. He says, There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. And so if Jesus is the personification of wisdom, uh, and he is the wisdom from God, if we are not working towards and making every effort 
of following him and becoming more like him, we are in danger of losing our way. And more than that, we won't be a helpful pointer to those that have lost their way and need to find their way back to God. So where does this all leave us today? And how is this even helpful in our, in our circumstances right now? The first thing I want to say is that in this time of COVID, where we as a church are scattered and not able to encourage each other in the same way that we used to, when we were seeing each other every week and coming together every week, we can take heart in the fact that God isn't restricted by COVID and that he has given us everything we need to keep nurturing this faith that we've been given. It's through his glory, his goodness and great promises that we have been given everything that we need to be more like Jesus. So in this new ministry year, even though the way we do church might look different, let's keep moving forward with courage, knowing that we're still powered by the same divine strength, the same divine love, the same divine grace that we had before COVID when we were meeting together face to face. God's glory, his goodness and his precious promises are all just as true and at work in us and through us, even in this season of online church and limited gatherings. That's the first thing I wanna say. Secondly, let's make every effort to make every effort. Shall I say that again? Let's make every effort to make every effort. See the word add in verse 5 where it says, for this reason make every effort to add to your faith. That word it implies the idea of lavish provision. So it's almost like the idea of throwing 150% of resources behind a project. And it's Peter trying to say to these people, it, don't just do the bare minimum, like do everything that's possible in your power to do these things and to become these things. Because if we don't make every effort, then we're not really moving forward, which is what we want to do as a church in this new ministry year. We'll become lazy, we'll become stagnant, and we'll become a real target, like a sitting duck for the enemy of our soul. If we cannot be bothered or we only make a half-hearted effort or a minimal thing just to tick a box, then our heart's not in becoming more, wanting to become more like Jesus. We're in danger of being enticed away and falling away from our heavenly calling and from our ultimate destination. So right here, one of the practical things that I want to take time to encourage you to do is if you are not part of a connect group at the moment, I really would love to say, join one. And if you are part of a connect group, but you're not really attending regularly, I would like to say, make every effort to make it a priority. Because this is the perfect time for us to make every effort 
to use what God's given, what we've been given, to become more like Him and to encourage each other in smaller groups while we can't meet in a big group. And why would you want to walk this journey on your own when you have God's Word, you have God's lavish provision of resources and you have your brothers and sisters in Christ to do this together. So each of us really have a choice to make about what we will and what we won't do in this new ministry year. We can be effective in our faith and productive in bearing fruit that will last or we can be nearsighted and blind. The choice is ours to make. It might feel easier right now just to hang back, to take it easy, you know, wait for another time when everything is different, or it might be just too scary to take the plunge and just jump in. But we know that we have more than what we need. God's given us everything that we need from His divine power. And we have a rich incentive of a rich a welcome into Jesus' eternal kingdom. And this is our opportunity to be good stewards of our salvation that's been entrusted to us, a precious faith. So um, my desire is that I would love for us all to accept the challenge to move forward together in this new ministry year. No man, no woman, no child left behind cheering each other on to be growing more and more in the likeness of our Saviour, Lord Jesus Christ. Come, continue to walk with me, with your brothers and sisters, on this pilgrimage that we're on, on our way to our eternal home, where our Father is eagerly waiting to welcome us. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.